0: Hi, this is Andrea Harkins. Welcome to the Martial Arts Women podcast. This podcast is devoted to martial art women who make a difference. Audrey Huzzy is a super fit, conscientious, high achiever type martial artist. That's a mouthful, but I think when you hear her talk about her martial art journey, you will agree that she has a spunk and spirit that outshines many. From learning a martial art alongside some of her kids, and she has six, by the way, to coming to a near screeching halt when she saw the perfect and affordable location for her martial arts school, you get the sense that Audrey does not easily give up. Personally, she exudes commitment and dedication to excellence in martial arts. Her previous experiences in bodybuilding and powerlifting contribute to her strong physicality and mindset. Be prepared to be inspired as Audrey walks you through her martial art journeys and milestones and shares how she turned an empty space connected to a gas station into a successful martial arts school. Don't forget to check out my inspirational and how-to books, The Martial Arts Woman, Martial Art Inspirations for Everyone, and How to Start Your Own Martial Art Program, all available on Amazon. I hope these books inspire and encourage you to be the person that you want to be. Hi, Audrey. Welcome to the Martial Arts Women Podcast.
1: Thank you, Andrea. It's really great to uh, talk to you, finally. I know. And thank you so much for having me on.
0: You're welcome. It was funny because I just started... TikTok, which I knew nothing about TikTok. It's it's a different world. Um, but anyway, I saw you on there and I haven't seen a lot of other women martial artists. I haven't come across anyone else yet, but I saw you, your some of your videos, and I was like, wow, this woman is really into fitness and martial arts, and I need to talk to her. Well, so, I, I noticed
1: most of the female martial artists on the, you know, on TikTok and Instagram are young, they're young, and, you know, they kick straight up in the air, and I'm like, yeah, well, that's not me, so I'm going to do my thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly, um, and it's so important for us to bring that message about uh, you can do martial arts at any age, any fitness level, and, and beyond that, as I talked to you, we had so much more in common. You're in Rhode Island, right?
1: Well, my school is, yes. My school is? Yes.
0: And I grew up there in New England and Rhode Island. You know, we have, of course, martial arts. We both have uh, sort of a slew of children. I don't have <laughs> as many as you. I have four. Um, a- and there was just so, so much commonality. We're similar in ages, but I won't quite say that because I know you're not 60 yet, and I'm not going to put that I'm, on you. I'm getting there. I'm uh, getting there. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of similarities, too. So I thought this would be a really fun podcast. Yes. So, all right. Well, let's start with some of the, the general questions so people can get to know you a little bit.
1: And when
0: did you begin martial arts and why did you decide to begin?
1: Um, well, I was um, 33. It was 1999, I believe. My third child was a few months old and I was bringing my five-year-old to karate just to give him a sport and you know teach him to stand up for himself and you know things like that, and um, everybody coming in as we were leaving was like, "Hey, what are you doing? Why don't Why don't you join us?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, no." I had the background in in bodybuilding and powerlifting, and um, and I thought, you know, after a while, I was just like, "Why don't I do it?" I, I couldn't lift anymore because I had um, two ruptured discs, and so I had to quit lifting a couple of years earlier. So I I didn't have any any sort of fitness regimen. Oh, okay. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna come in. We'll see how my back does. And turns out uh, the mechanics of karate are really good for rehabbing um, certain injuries. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh,
0: a lot of people don't realize that, and they shy away from martial arts because they think. And I say martial arts generally because there's so many different styles. Right, um, but people sometimes shy away from it because they have injuries and beyond. Really, some of that healing that you talk about, and of course, like styles like Tai Chi have a lot of healing benefits as well. But you know, we forget that there are some very healing qualities to martial arts. Let's talk a minute about your background in in bodybuilding and powerlifting. I understand. I think you did it at a competitive level. And I know you can, you're not doing it any longer, but I think people would be interested in a little in hearing a little bit more about how you got into those sports, and how the competitions and the different things that you did in those uh, bodybuilding and powerlifting well, areas.
1: My powerlifting career never took off. So what happened was, um, you know, I was working out at the gym. I was rehabbing really from my first ruptured disc. I had two, and I was rehabbing by going, you know, to the gym. That was part of my physical therapy and I started building muscle and I was like, Oh, Hey, this is kind of cool. So I got literally addicted to lifting, not so much being, you know, muscular, which is really nice. I like the way it looks. I'm not, I'm not super muscular, but I just got addicted to that, the endorphins in the gym. And so eventually after, you know, a few years of, um, lifting, I did, um, a local, just very small local bodybuilding competition, um, friends in the gym, you know, encouraged me to do that. And, you know, I didn't do great, but I'm I'm very small and I was never able to pack on a ton of muscle to meet some of these, some of these girls or, you know, Six inches taller than me, and they started at you know 140 pounds and dieted down to 115, and I started at 118 pounds and dieted down to 104, <laughs> and I was tiny. Next you were barely there. <laughs> I was very, right, I was. I looked, you know, I could look kind of funny standing next to them, but it was still fun. So I did two of those, and I realized quickly that it's very subjective, uh, bodybuilding. and i didn't have a trainer i didn't have any i mean this was you know uh let's see it was like 1992 i think when i did my first competition there wasn't a lot of information i mean now it's a science where back then it was you know joe weider you know uh muscle and fitness magazine or whatever his, his magazine was and you know arnold schwarzenegger and a few influential mm-hmm. women bodybuilders who, you know, most of those people did steroids and I wasn't willing to do that. So I only could grow so much. So yeah. I said, "Well, I'm really strong and, you know, I'm I'm, you know, powerlifting, you know, I'm squatting like 220, 240, you know, and I can lift a lot of weight." So that's what I did. I switched to powerlifting and it came very easily to me and, and I got myself psyched up. I was going to do a powerlifting meet and my squat at, you know, 104 pounds at five foot two, um, was like 265 pounds, which is a lot for someone my size. It's, there are other women squatting more than that now, but again, back then there was no science to it for people like me. There was no trainers. There was just dudes in the gym, you know, big farmer dudes in the gym, Helping me out, but um, it was like two weeks before my first powerlifting meet. I was doing a 240 deadlift and I went home, I went to sleep, and I woke up the next morning and I could not get out of bed, I couldn't walk. Um, I was like, <laughs> I'm oh like, oh my gosh. What happened? It didn't even occur to me. And I had a ruptured disc before from house painting. I was painting houses <laughs> okay. for summer jobs. Yeah, me. Yeah. And um, and I, it's when I realized I did something very very bad here, and so I had to quit lifting and you know start rehab all over again. And um, it was a, you know long road back, but eventually. You know and it affected everything my pregnancies i mean it was painful carrying babies painful um but i uh again that was you know probably quit lifting in 90 uh i think it was probably 93 early 94 and i got pregnant with my first child so that was the end of that probably until i didn't start lifting again until about four or five years ago so we're talking 20-something years I didn't rest.
0: Right, right. Uh, you mentioned children. I'll backtrack a little bit because I said we have had a lot of similarities. Um, I have the four children. Um, I've had a couple of miscarriages as well. Um, how many children do you have?
1: So I have six. Um, my I had just had my third when I started karate, and I had five pregnancies after that. Um During while I was training in karate, um, I would train up to like my eighth and a half month. I would just keep going. I couldn't spar, obviously. Yeah. But but boy, you get real strong and you get very flexible while you're pregnant. So, yeah, that was great. Um, I had two miscarriages that had nothing to do with karate. Um, You know, being in shape while you're pregnant is so important. So, you know, it's the law of averages. The more times you get pregnant, the more times you're gonna miscarry. It's just inevitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't see that those as anything other than normal physiological issues because I had it I had normal pregnancies before that, and then I'd have a normal pregnancy after. And then have a baby, and then I'd have another miscarriage and then have another baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just well, the, that's a lot of babies. That's a lot so of babies, yeah, but I have six. I have six yeah. children, and the youngest is sixteen. The oldest is 28. Yeah. So in my my
0: four children range, my oldest is um, 29, and my youngest is 20. So definitely similarities there. And also, I would say that I practice martial arts through all of my pregnancies. And in fact, I earned my second degree black belt. I was pregnant when I took that test. So um it was it was very strenuous and i had had miscarriages prior to that so my instructors were aware of that and of course i didn't do sparring they knew i could spar you know i've been in classes and everything um and i didn't do any like falls um so but that was okay i mean i had
1: really been pre-tested along the way right when i some when i was a i think it was a green belt at the um Tempo school I was at when I first started. I I started in a different style than I'm in now. But when I was at Greenbelt and I knew I was moving, they had a grading coming up. And I, you know, I uh, submitted myself to to grade and it was a test. You could fail. And I went in there and um, I made the silly mistake of inviting one of the instructors. I'm like, Are you coming to the grading? And he's like, yeah, he's a uh black belt in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And part of our curriculum was grappling. I was, uh, four months pregnant at the time. And I'm like, well, I can do it. Four months pregnant. I'm, I'm not even, you know, barely pregnant <laughs> So right. I to my test. And he showed up great instructor. I learned so much from these people that they're, they're down in Charlotte and I had to grapple and I had to grapple him and I, I must have tapped out 17 times. I mean, I just I just and the only rule was, you know, if if you, you know, quit, you're done. That's yeah, we fail. Don't quit. That was the only stipulation. Of course, I'm going to tap out. He's a black belt and I'm a green belt. You know? <laughs> um, and so he just by the end of the little grappling session we had, he was literally just coaching me along just to to help me not quit. Yeah, and they were like, you know, don't throw up on our mats. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna try real hard. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was out of my first trimester, but and afterwards I, I was talking to his wife after, and I earned my brown belt right before I moved. And I was talking to his wife afterwards, and I told her I was pregnant. Nobody knew I was pregnant. And she was like, What? What? She went up. Yeah, what and, are you crazy? Yeah. She went up and yelled at her husband. <laughs> I'm like, no. Yeah don't do do that. He didn't know. Yeah. So then I moved, um, you know, I moved and a few months later, I, I found another school and completed, um, you know, my, earning my first degree in that style. Um, and then I, you know, by then I had, I pre- I tr- tested for my black belt in Kempo, also pregnant. Um, and, you know, I left that school. It It just wasn't it wasn't a good fit for me. I left that school and then it took me a little while and I, I switched over to goju-ru because I had some of my kids in a little goju-ru school. And I switched over to that for about a year. And then I found a Tangsudo school and that looked like a much more similar style to what I was accustomed to. Yeah. Um, and uh, it turns out it really wasn't, but they're all so similar. Then I'm like, I'm just gonna give this a try. So that, you know, that was in 2010. So 13 years later, I'm still doing Tang Sudo <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, was really my style. We had the system, it was a system. So we did uh, Sudo, but also elements of karate and Aikido and Jiu Jitsu. we did a, uh-huh. bunch of, a bunch of different things, which is fun. I love cross training. How did they relate to your martial art training? Like, was there something, in your mentality from those sports that played into your mentality in martial arts and
1: absolutely yeah if if you've ever held up a front kick for you know four or five minutes you know that that dedication and that perseverance that intensity and you've already got muscle tone you've already you know you've you've already developed yourself muscular Mm -hmm. so you can do the things, the push-ups, the, all of it. It comes a lot easier because you're used to doing them and you're used to working through pain and discomfort and and fatigue. Um, so those things are, are very—they go hand in hand. I'm still flexible even though I lift. Um, you have to do both. So when I when I lift, I do like I'll do kicks on the back before my leg workouts. It keeps, right it keeps me mobile and it keeps me doing it keeps my form correct when I lift and lifting keeps my karate form correct right it's,
0: yeah i mean flexibility mobility um those two things people often struggle with one or the other but oh, i think oh, because so. of your background yeah you have a good grasp on both do you think there's um a certain part of your personality that just is
1: very athletic to begin with. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I wasn't like a high school athlete. I did zero sports in high school. Zero. I played softball when I was a kid and I did gymnastics. But I wasn't a, you know, that kind of athlete. It wasn't until I started lifting that I realized that, you know, there was, like, I don't know if it's a team sport thing that that just didn't call to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm more of a, you know, individual pursuit of, you know, whatever my goals are, than I am a, uh, you know, team sport person. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. But I tell my students and, and, you know, I tell my students karate is an individual pursuit, but we work as a team. We, we struggle together. We learn together. We suffer together. We, you know, we succeed together. Um, And and so that gives that camaraderie and they encourage each other and stuff. But as far as, you know, being a natural athlete, I guess, I mean, I guess I am only because it, it doesn't come hard to me. Just, I guess my size and whatnot helps. Um, and I'm naturally kind of strong. I don't lift heavy anymore because I don't need the injuries. Um, you know, sometimes my back will throw me in bed for a couple of days, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, but now I know how to work through it. I know how to stretch and do the mobility work. And because I can't not teach, I have to show up. Yeah. But no, You know, this is, I mean, I have some help at the school, but most of my classes I have to teach myself. Right. So I can't, you know. But I mean, getting back to, you know, do you have to be a natural athlete? No. Um, does it help? Yes. Like, I, I get a lot of soccer players, they're great kickers. Yeah. They they, it's their kicking style is very different. So, you know, I have to I have to slow them down in the beginning. I'm like, you know, stop punting me, you know, (laughs) just like, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? That point. Then they come in when they first start sparring and they're going to take your head off and they need to control it because they're used to kicking with everything they've got, everything. But they have good mechanics. Dancers and gymnasts make wonderful martial artists, but you have to teach them to be more aggressive. Their form beautiful, you know, and their kicks are beautiful. So you have to, like, bring everybody back towards the center where that balance is between athleticism, hardcore athleticism and grace and, you know, um, you know, that that kind of ability. Um, but it's it's really fun watching them. And I also noticed basketball players have great footwork. Yeah. Sparring footwork.
0: I think one thing that you're touching on here, and it's something that I've talked about before, is that you don't, I mean, some people are just simply not full-time martial artists. Like, they want to learn martial arts, but they're involved in other sports. Right. My, two of my sons played football. Uh, mm-hmm. in high school and that was really their sport in our martial arts. I made everybody take martial arts because I my husband and I Same. my husband and I teach it together. My husband's also a martial artist. Ah. So, you know, they they took the martial arts, but what I learned what, watching the football practice was that the warm-ups that they do were very similar to the warm-ups we were doing in martial yep. arts. Yep. And but mm-hmm. the thing was their form doing the warm-ups was not good, you know. No the way they were squatting or the way they were holding their backs or whatever it was, I was like, we do that, but we do it right. Um, So come to martial arts and and learn how to do these things right for your body and then go to your football games, you know, and you'll be less likely to get hurt.
1: They lack the mobility and the mechanics.
0: Every martial art, kickboxing, you know, when you're doing it right, it changes everything about your physicality and your abilities and your mobilities. Let's move on to I guess what you consider more craziness in your life. Um, you began a martial art program uh, I guess your own program and when did you begin that and where did you where, where did you hold the
1: classes? Well, I had been teaching at my my former school, the first Tang tanksudo school I went to where I earned my first and second degree. When I was an apprentice there, Um, I said, Hey, can I uh, start a homeschool class? Because I was in the homeschool community. I ran a homeschool group, so I had a lot of, you know, contacts there. I had a huge network to pull pull from. And my instructor was like, yeah, sure. You know, it'll either do well or it won't. And it wouldn't hurt his bottom line anyway, because I'd either be bringing students in or I wouldn't, and, and it didn't matter at that point. And I started the class and this was probably eight, nine years ago. Um. And I started the class and it just grew and grew and grew. Um, So I had a lot of teaching experience. By the time, you know, by the time I had my first degree, my grandmaster of our um, federation, uh, Robert Chizik, who uh, sadly passed away during the pandemic, he came up to me at a tournament. He goes, so Huzzy, when are you gonna open a school? Of course, he wanted more schools, you know, to keep his, keep his, um, legacy alive. And um, I'm like, I'm only first degree. He's like, I was a first degree. When I started my school. And half the half the master belts in this, you know, half the school owners were also first degrees. I'm like, Oh, okay. So put it he planted a seed in my head. And so for the next couple, you know, couple years, I was like, Hey, I could, I could do this, but I just couldn't do it in my town. Because I was already in a school in my town, and he said, you know, you can't open a school in the same town as another school. They had had problems with that in the past, Um, obviously, you know. So, I just kind of kept it in the back of my head, and I started networking. Um, I actually joined the uh, Century Martial Arts um, instructor, school owner and instructor page, and I just started reading, started watching, started talking to people, and then... um, probably I think it was 2018 I went to the super show and I just talked to anybody and everybody I went to all the seminars and so in my head I'm planning this for two or three years and so I went back to my instructor and I'm like I'm going to start a a, what do you call it a Parks and Rec program and so I started looking around at somewhere where there isn't really a big you know karate presence martial arts presence Yeah. And uh, I came upon Burlville, which, you know, I think, you know, where Mm Burlville is. And um, there was no karate schools. The last one had closed like five years earlier. So I went to the Parks and Rec Department and I'm like, where can I do a class? And they said, well, you know, you could do an after school program. Like, cool. So (laughs) I started an after school (laughs) program. I had two elementary schools that I did on separate days. Um, I had two students in each one, <laughs> Well, you know, it, it was, it was yeah. kind of foreign to the people in the town. It takes a very long time to break into a town where you don't know anybody. Correct. And yeah. so I kept doing that, you know, I did it in, I started in September of 2019. And of course, in April of 2020, everything shut down. So they, you know, kicked me out of the schools because the schools were closed, you know, So that was the end of my little program. And so I started, um, I was still at my other school. So I was doing Facebook live classes at my other school. So, you know, a couple days a week, I would go down there and just do karate on Facebook live. Anybody wants to join me, I'm doing it anyway. You know, it wasn't like official classes, but it was just to keep everybody active. Right. And, um, you know, my instructor didn't mind, you know, people want to join in, there were people from other schools joining in. Um, I was surprised at how many people would would tune in and just, you know, either watch or follow along that didn't even go to our school. And I didn't care. I mean, if it brings them in or, or their other cheesic schools. So I did that for a few months, um, probably April, May, and part of June. And I realized quickly, you know, I was, I was recently separated. I had no job. I wasn't getting unemployment from my parks and rec program. I was, you know, I'm like, I need a job. (laughs) I need a job really bad. Yeah, Um, You know, instructors didn't get paid at my other school. And so I'm like, I'm at a crossroads here. I have to do something. And somebody had offered me, um, the opportunity to interview to run a fitness kickboxing class at a CrossFit local CrossFit and that didn't go over very well and um, I said well I have to earn a living here so I went back to the Parks and Rec Department in Burrowville, and I said can I teach in the park can we do this outside and they're like sure so I started another little program in the park outside at a pavilion in Burrowville. And, you know, I had, I grew to like eight students and it was some money. And in the meantime, I was painting a house (laughs) for money. (laughs) That was, that's how I supported myself through the pandemic. I painted a house all summer. It was a friend's house and he paid me by the hour. So it was just enough to, you know, put food in my belly and gas in my tank. And um, so by the time fall rolled around, I had left my other school to do this program and paint the house and do whatever you know i could do to earn money and um it started getting cold and i was like okay this is um <laughs> i'm at yeah. another crossroads <laughs> so i either have to find a place to do it i didn't want to go back in the schools um they were only you know they limit how much you can charge at these park and rec programs okay. so i i was driving down route 107 in Burl in harrisville I don't know if you're familiar with that part of Rhode Island. It's pretty. It's pretty rural. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a Sunoco gas station with a little convenience store. And I drove by and just glanced, and I'm like, "There's nothing in the building next to it. There's two spaces, and there's nothing in there." And I see a sign in the window, and I'm like, er, you know, I put my brakes on, <laughs> turned around, went back, walked in to the convenience store, and I'm like, "Is the owner present?" And they're like. Yeah, he's in the back, and I walk back there, and I'm like, I want this space, because it said how much it was, and and I'm not gonna say, it, but it yeah. was very affordable, and I already had eight students, and I'm doing the math. I'm like, all I need is like, ten or twelve students, and more. I can pay the yeah. rent. That's literally all I thought of. Did I have a business plan? No. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Sometimes you just have to jump, and so yeah. he's like. I did martial arts for years and and he was like, all into it. He's like, I was kind of thinking about a retail space. I'm like, you don't need a retail space. You need somebody who's going to bring people into your parking lot every week. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. You can open a nail salon and maybe you'll get customers. But once I sign people up, they're coming twice a week. Yeah. And you're a businessman and you know, they're going to get gas and you know, they're going to go next door and get stuff, you know, and they're going to see your auto body shop, your auto shop next door. And so he's like, yeah, you know, let's do it. I literally signed the lease and I was open in three weeks. Wow. That's amazing. I called Century. I'm like, I need mats. I need this. I need that. And I just started ordering stuff. I had money from, you know, the separation, sale of my house, what's, you know, whatnot. And I put my own money into it. I had no, no debt. I opened That's my doors and probably within a couple of weeks I had like 11 students. I'm like, okay, I got this. I'm not making any money. but Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. but you're paying your rent. You're paying your lease.
1: That's so long cool. as I, was, I love I've that. I've been in the black. It'll be three years in November. I've been in the black since my doors opened. I promoted my first black belt, who was one of my students in my homeschool class from the other school. He came mm-hmm. with me. Um, You know, I didn't ask anybody to come with me. I just said, I'm going, I'm going here and this is what I'm doing. And, you know, his mom called me and, you know, he likes training with you. You're his instructor. He wants to keep, you know, keep coming to you. And he's, you know, he's one of my, one of my instructors now.
0: You actually gave me a great reason to promote one of my
1: books. (laughs) So
0: I'm going to throw that out there. Do it. (laughs) Um, One of my books, my third book that I wrote is called How to Start Your Own Martial Art Program. Because we started teaching our own program when we were first degree black belts. This book that I wrote is like a soup to nuts thing for anybody out there who does want to start their own program.
1: What I what I did essentially in in going to the super show was a huge help because I met some really heavy hitters in the industry, you know, Um, and they gave me so much advice. I had you know, many phone calls I had, you know, and I still have these, these people that stepped up and, and, you know, were advisors to me. Those three weeks I spent, um, you know, I, I signed, I knew I had to have a system to run my school. You know, I signed up for my studio and I decided I'm not going to take, I'm not taking any payments in my school because it's just Mm -hmm. me. I have to be able to run my school. So to be a manager, an entrepreneur and a, you know, um, um, the, you know, the instructor at the same time, you have to have very streamlined processes. Everybody is on auto pay. I don't, I don't touch money in my school. I've since started taking some things in the school. They can pay me by Venmo or whatever. Like I'm selling a t-shirt or some patches or whatever. I keep things in stock, but if they want to buy a uniform, go on my website. And yeah, that was the other thing I did. I had a website up and running before I started and, and it was done by a friend who, who knew the entire time what I was planning. So, you know, this was all rolling around in my head. I knew what my mission statement was. I knew what my culture was going to be. And that's really important. Um, I had, you know, my signs were up. My my dad is a sign painter, so <laughs> I had signs up. I'm a graphic designer. So everything just kind of came together. Logo, all of it. Um, my patches were done. And... So when I opened my doors, I already looked like I was up and running. And that was yeah. important. So they didn't just walk in the door and, you know, an empty room and say, oh, you know, there's a bag over here. I collected bags, you know, Wave Masters from anywhere I could get them. Um, so it looked like, I mean, my, yeah. my, my space was finished when right. they walked in. I got chairs from an old restaurant you know, old chairs from a restaurant. I, you know, they all had to match, you know, I wanted my school to be really pretty. <laughs> yeah. When I walked in the door, I had a mural on the wall. I mean- That's very important. I I see, you know, there's a couple other women that I've been in contact with who have opened their own schools. And, you know, I think they looked at what I was doing and they asked me some questions. And again, they opened their doors with systems in place. And And so your book is gonna help maybe, you know, take some of that legwork I had to do off. Yeah.
0: I know that you tested for your fourth degree not too long ago. So that's your current rank, right?
1: Yes. Um so when I when I left my old school, you know, I became an orphan, you know, as yeah. far as I didn't have an instructor. I was a school in the Federation. Grandmaster was extremely supportive. So I hadn't when I left the school I was still a two dan and I was due for my third Don promotion and so I went to Grandmaster and I said, you know, I don't know what to do. I've learned all my forms. I put my, you know, I put my minimum basic time in. I don't know where to go from here. I said, I feel kind of lost. And he says, he used to call me every few weeks just to check in and see how I was doing. And he says, well, it's too bad you don't know someone in charge. <laughs> okay, I get it. I get it. Uh, He's like, just, just, yeah, he said, give me your name, rank, you know, whatever. I'm like, okay. And so he put me up to grade in his own federation. He was, he was so supportive of me. So I went to my third degree grading by myself. Um, and, you know, all the master belts and in, in the other black belts that I knew were there. You know, so they yeah. everybody knew what was going on. They all knew that I was that I had started uh, my own little school. My, well, I didn't have a school yet, a program. And um, it was it was while I was running the program in the park. And so I did my grading. You know, I was the only one grading to third. So I was up there by myself and it was kind of terrifying. I mean, I had been to many gradings, but. Afterwards, um, a master belt and well, a master belt and her husband who run a school close in Rhode Island came up to me, and you know, she said, uh, you know, if you need any help at all, they've been running a school for decades. You know, if yeah. you need any, so she was, I think, a sixth or seventh. I think she's seventh, and he's, you know, he was an eighth. Well, he was, he was since promoted by his master belt. So he's now a ninth grandmaster. But if you need any help, if you need to train, you know, I can help you, teach you your new forms to get you to the next level. And I was like, wow, thank you so much. And I did. Uh, Paula Saucer, I'm calling her out. Yeah, She has been the most amazing mentor and friend to me. So I go to her once a week and she, you know, she taught me all my forms for my fourth don. She put me up for my fourth down and And I graded at their school. So when I have black belt gradings now, so I'm not grading one person by myself, we visit each other's schools for gradings. Okay, so nice. we're like a little we have a little alliance with another uh, grandmaster who um, left the federation before I did. They all three of us had left our previous federation for different reasons, but um, wanting to be on our own. So we get together for gradings. So we have a nice panel of black belts and master belts, and we all encourage each other and, you know, learn from each other. We do little tournaments together. And um, so she put me up for my master belt and promoted me. And that was back in July. Long story short, (laughs) short story long. (laughs) But it was, it was, it was really amazing to just know, when I, when I, you know, had nobody to train me, you know, everybody was under me in rank. Uh, actually, a, a gentleman who lives lives in Burrowville, who used to train at that school, um, he had taken like a 10-year break to train in other styles, jujitsu, MMA. He approached me after I opened my school and he said, you're right in my town. Um, I'm going to bring my daughter and we're coming. So... I had another two Dan. Yeah. And so I worked and got him up to speed, taught him his new forms, and promoted him to third Don. So we were third Dons together for a short time. So now I have a growing staff, which, you know, I was like, you know, it's going to take me forever to train people from white belt to black belt. Right. But now I have a first Don and a third Don. And A few months ago, another second Don, who I had trained in Saturday class at my old school, came to me. He had taken a year off and he wanted to train with me. And so I, you know, he had already put his time in and learned his forms for his third Don. So I got him up to speed, promoted him just a few weeks ago um, at my instructor's school. So I promote him, but we all do the gradings together. It's really nice. It's just That's great. So we now have a bigger family. Um, and like if he wants to go over there and spar because they have more younger men. So if he wants to go over there and spar people at his level, go. If one of their students wants to come over on a Monday when they're not open and train with me, go. We, you know, we're very, we're open door policy between us. I did, you know, I did get promoted to my fourth done, which that was the goal for me. It was, un- it was like unreal. Like that first day I wore my new uniform, you know, my uniform, my, my belt, black pants. And I walked in there and I'm like, I feel like I'm wearing, you know, my dad's shoes. I feel like I'm wearing someone else's uniform, yeah, but no, I'm the same point. exact person. I'm the same martial artist. I'm, I'm, you know, just as skilled as I was a week ago. But you but feel different. I, I feel different. Like it it I wanted that legitimacy, but in reality, I didn't need it. In in owning, okay. you know, owning my own school and training with a new instructor who, you know, we we delve into what's in the forms in the hyang. We delve into it so much more. And now I'm looking at my forms in a whole new way, and I'm like, it's it's gotten me so much more excited about karate again. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever hit that point where you're just like, okay, I'm just doing the same old things over and over. Right. I I look far and wide for new things and new drills. And I learned how to point spar in a whole new way from another mentor I had from from my old federation. And he's like, go do tournaments, do the big tournaments, do the crane tournaments, do the iPhone tournaments. And and, you know, I got my butt whooped. But I learned <laughs> no how to way. I learned how to points bar real fast. So now I have a whole new thing to bring back to my students. I go out there and I seek, and then I bring it back. It enlivens your your school. It excites your students. Everything is you know something new and something different to add to the, your little toolbox. Um, so I'm excited about karate again in a way I haven't been in years. Students need, they need a ground game. They need to be able to, you know, if they get thrown on the ground in a self-defense, you know, situation. Right. There's pseudo, so much to learn. There's a lot of throws and takedowns in our forms. Yeah. That we yeah. need to learn how to apply. And having a, a Kempo background, I I have dozens of throws and takedowns in my head that I had forgotten all about. So I'm bringing those back in. Um you know, my Kenpo training is a big part of my instruction to my students. Yeah. And um, Mr. McHale, my my other instructor, I sometimes just turn the class over and say, "Do some, do some jujitsu, do some, you know, do some self defense." Yeah, change the it variety up. Variety is good. The variety is very good. Absolutely.
0: Well, let me shift really to my last question. It's what I usually ask at the end of every podcast. And because it is the martial arts Women podcast and I'm interviewing women, I like to get your impression. Uh, and I know you teach women, men, whatever. And, and so do we. I mean, there's no differentiation in students, but uh, I know that women may have some additional challenges. I think they're just in real life, maybe a little more vulnerable than others. Um, but what is your opinion about why it's important for women to learn a martial art?
1: Um, well, honestly, even the physical, you know, the physical challenges that everybody faces in martial arts, it makes you stronger. It makes you more aware. It makes you, you know, uh, your fast twist, twitch muscle, you know, reaction time works faster, um. You know something's falling, and you just your hand just goes out and you grab. it. Yes, I know. <laughs> you know when I've noticed kids, that. Yeah, when your kids is falling, and you've got them before they hit the ground because you you're just faster. You notice more things. You notice your surroundings. You you know. I don't teach when I teach self defense. I don't teach it. So you know you're gonna be able to do this really cool wrist lock and arm bar and like no, no palm heel them in the face, kick them. You know, keep it really simple but because that's empowering. That's, yeah. you know, you have to train a lot of these self-defense techniques for months before you. I would feel confident going out there and being able to defend myself even. I know high-ranking martial arts, you know, uh, women in martial arts who have gotten mugged or, you know, carjacked or whatever, and we're still vulnerable even with our training. Right. We're still vulnerable. Um, You know, you see these stories about some, you know, MMA woman fighter who got, you know, mugged in a parking lot and she beat the snot out of the guy and put him in the hospital. That's rare. That's rare. Somebody comes up behind you and bashes you in the head. You're not going to be fighting. You're going to be on the ground. What do you do now? So. For women who don't train, you've got nothing. For women who do train, at least you have. Something, you you will your chances of surviving an attack go up exponentially. Are you going to win? Put them in the hospital. Probably not, but you will survive. And so, I think you know. Back to the why should women train in martial arts? Um, You ever fall down? You know? Did have you ever? You know, you're going down the stairs and you start losing your balance and you whatever, and then you like instantly rebalance yourself over your back foot. Uh-huh. You instantly know to shift your weight. Um, simple things like that are are they're game changers as we get older.
0: If anyone watches your videos. You are incredibly fit, athletic. You do all kinds of things. You know, with the bag and your your push ups and your fitness. I mean, that's just, that just shows people, or I guess reminds people that you can do whatever it is you want. Okay. You want to work hard enough for anything that you want in your life, then you can do it. And you and I were a little bit older, but we, the thing is we have a lot more wisdom now and we have a lot more understanding of application of martial arts. And we have just a different perspective than the younger people. And that's, that's a good thing for us to share and collaborate on as we go through our martial art journeys.
1: Well, and the other the other key issue for when you start martial arts as an adult and your kids are already, you know, you don't have to be home at you know six mm-hmm. o'clock to the you know feed the baby and put the baby to bed. I mean, I know women. I we did it, you did it, I did it. But as you get you know into your 40s and whatnot, your kids are a little older and you yeah. Wife, you have this golden opportunity to redefine what your life is about and what you want for your future. You know, f- physically, you can start over. I had a woman start in my kickboxing class today, like I was saying earlier. And, you know, she's in her 40s. And now she gets to focus on her health and her, you know, her physical well-being. And, and I'm like, you know, your kids are watching you. They're watching you work on yourself. That's really important yeah. for, 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 you know, I have two of my daughters, uh, got to second degree and they, they moved on to other things. Um, two of my sons got to apprentice and again, you know, they, they don't always keep interest. Teenagers have so many options, you know, and they get their license and the job and the boyfriend and the girlfriend and off they go. And, you know, yeah. and, <clears throat> you know, you wish yeah. they would stay, they can come back later, mm-hmm. um, you know i didn't force well when they were young i forced my kids to do martial arts because i wanted them to learn how to defend themselves i got bullied severely as a kid and i wanted my kids to never have to go through that um to just be able to stand up for themselves and they may not see the benefits of their training now but in some of the yeah. things they do with their with their lives and and how they carry themselves and they, they have confidence and they have physical abilities. I know that it helped them. It helped develop their character to a degree. Um, the rest is on them. But, you know, 20 years from now, when their kids are older and they're like, oh, what am I going to do with myself now? You know? <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Go back to karate. So it's been really great. and I'm so happy I found you on TikTok.
1: And uh, I've been both- enjoying watch- listening to your podcast. I listened, I I binge listened one day when I was painting (laughs) in a house and uh, I did, I binge listened for like five hours. (laughs) The commonality between us all is that, you know, we face certain challenges. It it is a male dominated industry, not maybe not the classes, but ownership, the business Mm -hmm. end of it. Yeah. And, you know, those videos I put up, yeah. I will inevitably get messages correcting my form, which my form is the most important thing to me. And I pay a lot of attention to doing things correctly. And it never fails. And I've told you this. I get yeah. messages. So, oh, you didn't put your hands up or, oh, you didn't do this. And I'm like, and so I ask other martial artists, males who do similar videos, do you get messages correcting you? And they're like, no. I'm no, like,
0: women get that a lot. The, lot the
1: more. more accomplished the martial artist is, is, the less likely they are to correct me. Yeah. Because they yeah. know I'm doing it correctly. I put myself out there. I always... I, I joke I'm a shameless self-promoter. It's it's just... It's the way I am. I got up on stage in a bikini and shellacked myself tan. And, you know, I'm not afraid to put myself out there. Most of the people correcting me don't have... They, they don't put them, yeah. They They're don't have to put themselves out there. I want people to see me doing it so that maybe somebody and and there have been a lot of somebody's who will message me and say you know I started working out again watching your videos you know I'm doing the things you're doing on your videos and I like that drill you were doing I'm going to use that in my class so it's it works it's it's having its intended consequence yeah so I don't mind the, the criticism I laugh at it